Well, we want to read the portion of Scripture we're going to be in today that we'll go just verse by verse through and see what God has for us. First Thessalonians chapter number 3 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means a tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain." But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distressed by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for our sakes before our God, night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. And let's pray. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. It certainly is good to be in your house today. Thank you for all those you brought to us and those who are tuning in online. Lord, thank you for the opportunity and privilege we have to sing songs to you, to fellowship to give, to uh, be around your people. Lord, thankful for the opportunity to open your word and preach. And Lord, I do not take this lightly. I really do believe that you have a message for us. Lord, that you once said, and may I get out of the way, and may you use me to present that word to you, to these dear people. Some have traveled all over this area to come and and learn and grow and to be established in their faith and to be encouraged and strengthen others. Maybe for the first time they've walked in some doors of a church building and maybe we are the only church they've ever known. May they know that they're loved and they're cared for and we want nothing more than to help point them to Jesus Christ. Lord, maybe some have come back that haven't been able to come for a while. May they feel your presence. May you relieve distractions and may you open our hearts and may you flow through us, and may we learn your word that will help us today. Be with the nursery and the children's programs and the youth as they're going on right now. Lord, please work in their hearts as well. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. For those who didn't know, I grew up on a farm, and uh, my dad was not only a popcorn farmer, but he he grew produce, and we had 50 acres of produce. Uh, Every single summer, I I learned how to work. And uh, we, about April, March, April, sometimes even late February, we'd, we'd get the old greenhouse going. Uh, we'd turn the heater on and clean it out, and we'd get the soil, potting soil from the company, and, and we'd get the little black trays with the little uh, compartments in it, and we'd fill those up with, with dirt and uh, the potting soil, and then we'd start planting and putting little seeds in each one. We'd plant thousands and thousands of those cabbage plants, pepper plants, tomatoes, uh, every single plant imaginable. We'd seem like we'd plant. And then we'd start watering them and they'd start sprouting up and growing. And that was so exciting as a young boy to watch something you planted grow. 
There's something about watching, even now, watching things grow. It's exciting. I'll never forget the day they would get so tall. My dad says, we got to get them out of the greenhouse. They're not quite ready yet to go on the ground. It's too cold yet, but it's getting close. So we'd take them out to the greenhouse and we'd put them on the cement pad and we'd start watering them every day. Those plants kept getting taller and taller and and my dad says we need to put them outside because they need to be hardened. They need to be tested. They, they need to know what it's like to, to face uh, the everyday elements. Because soon we're going to be putting them in the ground. Well, finally that day came. We had worked the ground. We had ridged it. And uh, there was little uh, ditches on each side of the rows where if it rained a lot, the water would go down in there. And, and we got the old transplanter out, hooked it to my dad's 755 John Deere compact tractor. And we'd start going down the rows. Sometimes I would drive, sometimes my brother. And one of us would put the little plants in the little cups and then drop it down. And it'd kick it right where it needs to go. And, and we'd plant this awesome row of tomatoes or peppers or, 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 or whatever else we'd end up planting. And then my dad would, would maybe get a little nervous because it was a little windy. In the Midwest, the wind kind of comes. There's not a lot of trees to break the wind. And we'd start seeing those plants getting shoved all over the place. So I would watch my dad get on his hands and knees and go to each plant and he'd cup a bunch of dirt around it. As high as he could go to where it wouldn't affect the plant. And he would do it around and I'd say, Dad, what are you doing? He says, I'm trying to make it stronger so it can withstand the wind and the rain and the storms that are going to come. And so we would do all that and they tomatoes would start growing. Soon they'd start getting so tall, we'd have to get tomato steaks, we'd pound them in, and then we'd get that tomato twine, and uh, we'd put something on our finger, and we'd go through, and we'd weave them all through. Every week, couple weeks, we'd have to do it until they got about waist high, and then the, the plants started producing some fruit. I'll never forget the day when, when the, the tomatoes were finally ripe. My dad says, all right, let's go pick the tomatoes, and we'd pick it. What an exciting day that was to finally get fruit. I mean, this plant who literally started from the little seed and there was really no hope until now we were able to take the fruit to the auction or to the, the store or to the fruit stand we had. And I'll never forget, uh, my dad says, you know, we, God grew it, but if we wouldn't have put the effort in, the tomatoes never would have happened. And oftentimes, the story is, is similar to what we find here in Thessalonica. Paul planted the seed of the gospel they accepted Christ, and by the way, only God can transform a life. Only God can save a person through justification. But we see Paul was concerned about these dear people. Like the tomato who the wind was going to come, and, and like the storms might when they come, the storms and the wind and the afflictions were coming to these dear people. It was probably throwing some things at them they weren't used to having. And Paul was concerned about them. He says later in the passage that he didn't want their efforts to be in vain. So he writes a letter to them, wanting so desperately to do it himself. And in these first ten verses, we see five different times the word faith, your faith, is used. He was very concerned about their faith. And not if they were saved or not, but if it had taken root and taken hold, and if they were going to continue to grow as a Christian. And many times people accept Christ as their Savior, but if they don't, if they aren't, aren't helped along or encouraged along or strengthened, their faith becomes weak. There's a reason why God created the church, and there's a reason why God gave us His Word, and there's a reason why He gave pastors and teachers and people to come alongside. It's to help strengthen our faith. 
And Paul is writing to the church of Thessalonica and saying, hey, a strong faith is not moved by trials, even though they're not fun to go through. A strong faith bears an excellent testimony, and a strong faith stirs the hearts of others. And Paul really gives us four things this morning, probably more, but four things I pulled out that I really believe can help us strengthen our faith. Whether we're a new Christian, maybe you're new, or maybe you're trying to figure everything out, or, or you're, just, you're trying to just wrap your head around it. To the very mature Christian among us, God has a plan to help us be strengthened. So let's look at this this morning. Number one, if you're writing, we see the commissioned Timothy. The commissioned Timothy. The Bible says in verse number one, it says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. Paul literally writes the word left, which means destitute or forsaken. Paul feels all alone in the ministry. Have you ever felt all alone before? He had put in Sylvanius, Silas had gone to Berea, and he was sending Timothy back to Thessalonica. Now keep in mind that neither he nor Silas could go back to Thessalonica. They had been really forbidden to go. In fact, Jason had put security down saying, we're not going to cause any problems. We don't want to cause an uprising. We're not, we're not trying to go for the king of Rome. We're just simply trying to please the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in chapter 2, as we looked at a couple weeks ago, that Satan had hindered Paul from going back. And may I say, even though Satan had hindered, God still found a way to get to this church of Thessalonica. And Paul sent Timotheus. By the way, Timotheus was matured because of this. And another reason why God was still in this, even though Satan hindered it, was we got the book of 1 Thessalonians today because of this. And may I say that even though Satan tries to hinder the work of God, God can always find a way to keep it going. And oftentimes Satan wants to hinder you in your walk. He wants to hinder your ministry. But may I encourage you that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. May I encourage you that darker the night, the brighter the light, and that Jesus Christ can do the impossible, and he still wants to do the impossible in your life. So even though Satan hinders Paul, the gospel still continues to go and thrive in this wonderful church of Thessalonica. He sent a dependable man. The Bible says in verse number 2, and sent to Moses, our brother and minister of God. The word minister of God is simply means God's co-worker. In other words, he was going with God. Wouldn't that be interesting to put on your business card? God's co-worker. Could you imagine? But literally, Timothy was God's co-worker. May I say, 1 Timothy 3.9 says this. I want to read this and then I'll say what I was going to say. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Timothy had a pure conscience with God and he was simply a vessel. May I say, with God, we can do amazing things. Amen. And Timothy knew that he was just flesh. He was just a sinner saved by grace. But with God, God was going to use him. By the way, we're all just vessels. We're no one special. And about the time we think we are, God has a way of humbling us, does he not? But when we get alone with God, God can do great things. So we see not only he sent a dependable man, but he also sent a diligent man. The Bible says in verse number two, what was Timothy sent to do? Timothy was sent to establish you. The word establish means uh, someone in danger of falling. The Bible says establish you concerning your faith. 
Paul was very worried that the, the young converts in Thessalonica were going to be, uh, uh, not be established right. I use the illustration of the tomatoes for a reason. Uh, he was concerned. They were so young and the storms of life were coming and, and, and tribulation and affliction were coming. He was concerned that maybe they weren't going to make it. And he wanted to send Timothy to firmly set to position in the ground. Have you ever put a fence up? What's so vital in a fence? The corner post. And is it enough just simply to dig a hole? No, if you know anything about ranching or cattle or horses, you need to put cement in that fence post. Why? It firmly sets it. So when the cattle lean up against that fence or try to get through it to get the grass on the other side, that fence will stay strong. And Paul says, Timothy, I'm sending you to establish these, to firmly plant them, to help these new Christians be grounded in the word of God. He also goes on to say, to comfort you concerning your faith. The word comfort is the Greek word parakaleo, which is where we get to exhort, to encourage. In other words, shoulder to shoulder. Have you ever maybe needed help doing something and you needed someone to come along beside you? It isn't amazing when you put people shoulder to shoulder how much more work you can get done. And Paul says, not only, Timothy, do I want you to firmly plant them and firmly establish them, but I want you to come alongside them shoulder to shoulder and encourage them along the way. Did not Nehemiah do that? We've been looking through Nehemiah on Sunday nights. Did not Nehemiah go and work along with the crew? He encouraged them and says, hey, we can do this together. I don't know how many times through the years when we were in Turlock, we totally re, uh, redid this uh, 19, building that was built in 1907. It, it was one of those things where nothing ever surprised me after a while. And, and it had been there for so long that when you looked at the drain sewer pipes, the, the, literally the fittings had changed so much throughout the years. And even though you got the right fitting, it still didn't quite work, you know. But when you got people shoulder to shoulder, it was amazing how the work of God could get done. And Paul says, Timothy, I want you to go and establish these people, but I want you to comfort them. I want you to come shoulder to shoulder with them, and I want you to ground them and encourage them while you're doing it. And I just simply say this, we all need a Timothy in our life. We all maybe need a a, a lady like a Timothy in our life. That will help ground us. And maybe you're a newer Christian or you're new to the faith. May I encourage you, we have a program here called Continue, Discipleship Program. That's not just for fun. That is so you can be put alongside one, someone who can help establish you and ground you in the faith. You're going to have a hard time doing it on your own. By the way, I'm thankful for those who established and grounded me. I, I, I was trying to figure it all out too. And may I encourage you to decide today to to get along with someone and say, hey, will you help establish me? By the way, there's a lot of people here who could help you do that. We see that Timothy was a diligent man. He encouraged them. And maybe I encourage you, are you willing to be a Timothy to teach and lead by example? And are you willing to encourage people shoulder to shoulder? Well, that takes work and effort, I know. But let me tell you, it makes a difference in people's life. The Lord allowed me to disciple over 100 people when we were in Turlock. And every time, I I had to remind myself, this is work. But at the end, it was amazing how God brought some of the greatest relationships I've ever had in my life through that. 
and it is worth it. Won't it be great someday to stand up in heaven and to see all the people God's allowed you to touch in your life? People that you're going to say, I had no idea. Several years ago, I had a young, when I was a teenager, uh, one of the teachers in my 7th, 8th grade Sunday school class knew I was going through a difficult time. My sister had leukemia. She was born with Down syndrome. She had a hole in her heart. And she had all these procedures. She was literally in the hospital for, for months at a time. And I was really aggravated at God. I had gotten to the point where I was starting to get a little bitter and frustrated with God. And I said, God... What are you doing to my sister? She does not know what you're going through, what, what you're doing to her. And man, I started carrying that load. And every time I'd go to class, I would always feel Mark Fowler sit beside me and put his arm around me and say, it's going to be okay, Justin. The same God who can quiet the storm is the same God who can create the storm. By the way, his thoughts and ways are higher than our thoughts and ways, and it's going to be okay. Amen. And I remember looking up at him and saying, I don't know. If you know what you're talking about, but I'm going to believe you. And Mark would tell me later how he had been through some storms in his life. And may I encourage you this morning that we all need a Timothy or a Mark follower in our life who will say, hey, let's just keep trusting the Lord. Well, your faith seems so strong. It's not much stronger than you. I've just been around longer. As these ladies sang, my grace is sufficient for, his grace is sufficient for us. We all need someone who we can go to and say, hey, can you help ground and establish me? By the way, it's good to, to have people who are on the right track doing that as well. But we see that uh, Mark Fowler is willing to do that for me. Who did that for you? By the way, he's still doing that today in other people's lives. Are you still doing it in other people's lives as well? There's a story of uh, soon after the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor it was 10 days after, and the residents of North Platte, Nebraska, wanted to desperately do something. And they heard that their platoon that was from Nebraska originally was going to come through on a train uh, ride. And uh, they thought, wouldn't it be great if we encouraged them? We, we made some food for them. We made some snacks. We got them some books and magazines. And uh, ju- just really kind of gave them a shot in the arm, if you will. And so the city really got behind it. And that day, then the train pulled up. They were all ready. To their dismay, the, the boys from Nebraska weren't there. They were a troop from Kansas. And they thought, man, Kansas, they're our rivals, you know. But the, one of the young ladies says, you know what, let's just be a blessing to them because they're fighting for our country. And so they did. That day, that late young lady thought, you know, what if we did this for every single train that came through? And so they decided to do that. And every day they would make sandwiches. They would make snacks and drinks and, and chips. And uh, they, well, they, they package the chips. I don't know if they made them. But they bring the chips and they would be there. And as the train would stop, they never knew these people, but they, they gave it to them. Man, for, a year, for four and a half years they did this. They ended up calling it the North Platte Canteen. They became famous. And the soldiers actually looked forward to coming through Nebraska. After it was all said and done, on April 1st, 1946, the last train arrived. And over six million soldiers were blessed by the North Platte Canteen. Over 45,000 people ended up volunteering during those four and a half years. They They went shoulder to shoulder. They encouraged and comforted and strengthened those young men. Now may I say, as, as patriotic as I am, and I love my country, we are in a, we are in a greater thing here. We're in the, soldier, the army of the Lord, are we not? 
And may we be just as adamant like these people to, to love and to encourage and to bless God's people and come alongside. My call today is simply for more young Timothys to commission Timothys to say, hey, I'll go and comfort someone. I'll go encourage someone in the faith. Oh, you're new to the Lord. You're new to the church. We're glad you're here. Thank you for coming. Man, let me help you. Can I help you in any way? Do you need anything? And there's only those days. How many understand that when you start building relationships with people, they start opening up more and more. And eventually you'll find a way that you can minister to them. May I encourage us this morning to be commissioned Timothys. But number two, we see the concerned teacher. We see the concerned teacher. Paul knew a strong faith was not easily moved by trials. The Bible says in verse number three, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. The word moved is really where we get the word today to to wag a tail of a dog. It was being friendly. And he was very worried that these young men and these young Christians, these young lady Christians, were going to be moved by the trials and afflictions. They were on the right course, but these trials and afflictions were going to give them off the right track. And he was very concerned about that. The word afflictions means tribulation. And those days, these people knew what affliction meant. It was just like grapes that were crushed to produce wine. In other words, that affliction was necessary for the grapes to fulfill their purpose. May I encourage you this morning that afflictions are necessary for us to fulfill our purpose. You've heard the illustration of the diamond. How it's got to be, and the gold's got to be heated and, and, tr- and affliction comes away. Why? To be, be able to be what it needs to be. And Paul is writing to this dear church and he's saying, hey, when afflictions come, don't be moved. In fact, you're going to suffer tribulation. In verse number 3, the latter part, it says, For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto, for verily when we are with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation. In fact, Timothy knew a lot about tribulation. When he was in his hometown, he watched as the Apostle Paul, his beloved mentor, was stoned there. Do you think Timothy knew what he was signing up for when he went back to Thessalonica where Paul and Silas had been pushed out of town? And Timothy knew that affliction and tribulation and persecution would come. But he wanted so desperately to be used of God. In fact, the principle is this. Not everyone will be happy with change in our lives. Testing reveals what is inside. In fact, John 15, verse 18, Jesus says, If the world hates you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. And then Paul goes on to say in verse number 5, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, and here we see it here, I sent to know your faith. He wanted to know where their faith was. We see this in 1 Thessalonians 2, 14. We, we, we preached this a couple weeks ago. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen. I won't spend a lot of time here because I really spent a lot of time here a couple weeks ago. But remember, the Jews were, had that stumbling block of their Messiah would actually be crucified on a tree. They couldn't believe it. They knew that was the worst possible death and they thought they were cursed because of that. And so they were so frustrated that someone would preach a gospel that Jesus Christ, Christ died a crucified death on Calvary. And so persecution would come because of that. And then the Greeks had over 400 gods and they didn't necessarily care there was another god. They cared that the Greeks that got saved said there was one true god. And so they would have festivals that would, they would put
put every year and, and the, the festival of the hail, the festival of the drought, and they would keep close touch on everybody who would come. And if there was someone who wasn't there, they would blame them if a drought came. So persecution was coming from the Jews, Jewish leaders. They were coming from the Greeks and the Greeks leaders. And they were being threatened if they spoke of Christ. They were getting physical abuse by mobs, uh, mockery, ridicule, cursing, and verbal attacks. Isn't it amazing how persecution comes when you're just trying to please the Lord? By the way, that's not something that's unusual. Isaac was persecuted by the Philistines because they envied God's blessing of his, on his life. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown in the fiery furnace because they refused to bow down. Daniel was thrown into the den of lions because he was simply praying. Have you prayed lately? That's not a retort. I mean, I'm sure you have. Could you imagine being thrown into the lion's den because you prayed? But yet God saved him. Job was tested by pain and suffering simply because, and get this, Satan was trying to prove him, nothing Job had done wrong. John the Baptist was beheaded because he confronted King Herod's adultery. James was beheaded and, and Peter was thrown into prison by King Agrippa simply because they were trying to please the Jews. James was, uh, John was sent to exile because he told others about Jesus. Have you told someone about Jesus lately? Could you be, imagine being thrown and being headed, beheaded because of that? Peter and John was thrown into prison because they simply preached not that Jesus was God's son, but that Jesus was God's son and the only way to salvation. I'm just simply saying that many times throughout history, people have been persecuted because they simply was just trying to do right and obey God's word. And you may be sitting here today saying, wait a minute here. Why in the world would I want to get persecuted? That's not very enticing. May I just say, each of these men, when they did, God usually came through for them in a wonderful way. And may I just encourage you with this, that persecutions might come, but serving God is so much better, whether you get a persecution or not than totally denying Christ. John, James chapter 1, verse 5, it tells us how we can keep from being moved and tossed through the wind. The Bible says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. May I encourage you to teach and lead by example and to encourage people shoulder to shoulder. May we firmly set and disciple people in the word of God. So we see a concerned, uh, 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 a commissioned Timothy. We all need a Timothy in our life. We see a concerned teacher, a preacher. By the way, we all need a concerned teacher and preacher in our life. Years ago, there was a story about a pioneer days. A man was making his way across the Missouri River. It was bitterly cold outside. There was snow everywhere. And the only way to cross the Missouri River was simply to walk across the ice. He had never been across this big river. And he was very scared and very worried. And he took his first step. And he thought, oh boy, it's going to break. After about 10 or 20 steps, he looked back and saw the shore getting farther and farther from him. He got really worried. So he got on his hands and knees and started crawling just expecting to hear the crack. 
He finally got about halfway out and he couldn't go any farther, but he knew he couldn't go back. So he laid on his hands and uh, laid on his stomach and like a snake, he started slithering along. He was so worried and he felt like at any moment he would fall in the icy waters of the Missouri River. About that time, he heard a loud whistle and he heard a horse neighing. And about that time, an old farmer charged across that ice without even stopping hardly with his horse loaded with hay. And he passed that old man or that young man on the ground that was and he just tipped his hat and saying, how are you doing today? The story goes on that that young man got up sheepishly, timidly, waved, dusted the ice off and walked across. The moral of the story, at least what I'm trying to get across, is simply this. How many have felt about that young man the first time you tried to cross the river, maybe in your Christian walk, and you were just so scared and nervous? And you just didn't know how you were going to get across. And how an older, mature Christian maybe comes through and says, hey, it's going to be okay. Maybe you're like that man that's army crawling across the ice right now in your Christian walk. Maybe you're being tossed around by something. I don't know what you're going through. I'm, I'm still relatively young. I get that. But maybe you're going through something very difficult and hard. May I encourage you to rest on the faith maybe of someone else. Maybe it's a teacher in the church. Maybe it's a deacon. Maybe it's a layman. Maybe it's a, a faithful Sunday school teacher. And just say, you know what? My faith isn't very strong, but I'm going to trust that God's going to do this. And even in the tumultuous times of life, a concerned teacher or a concerned preacher, he has strong faith. And we can say, well, I don't know if we can do that. I mean, build a family center? How is that possible? I mean, I mean, metal's high right now and, and it's expensive and there's no way it's going to happen. But we believe that God's going to do it and God is doing it. We met with the architects this week and, and God's doing miracle after miracle. And I, I'd love to tell you all about that sometime, all that God's doing. And, and I'm sure Pastor Musher will as well. But I simply say this, we just need to keep trusting God and he's going to do it. You might be army crawling, it's okay, but don't stop crawling. Don't give up. Keep on trusting God. We see not only did those, was the commission Timothy sent, we saw the concerned teacher, but I want us to notice number three, the constant tempter. Now, you may be saying this morning, I can see why a Timothy could help strengthen my faith. I can see how a concerned teacher can help strengthen my faith. But how in the world can the constant tempter, how can Satan strengthen my faith? Well, Paul alluded to it in verse number five. The Bible says, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. The tempter have tempted to test. By the way, Jesus was tempted by the tempter was he not Matthew 4 1 then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil the believer must keep in mind that Satan is behind all persecution and temptation for us to desert Christ by the way remembering that Satan's probably behind it will help keep you realizing that I don't want to fall prey to Satan I want to keep trusting God Matthew 16, verse 1, the Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. The devil was behind that. The word tempting here, the word test is the word uh, perforate, which means to pierce, poke, and to test something. By the way, the tempter will attack any weakness that you have. If you haven't figured that out yet, young Christian, let me encourage you. Satan knows your weaknesses. 
And that's what he's going to keep coming after. He's going to keep finding the weakest possible place. I, once again, I have cattle and they will look for the weakest part of the fence. And sometimes they will be, do the unthinkable. They'll get out. And you have to put it back in and strengthen that fence. Satan's going to come and attack you. He's going to come at your weakest link. The world with their afflictions can constantly attack and pressure you. The flesh, our flesh can constantly pull us one way to be selfish and to be self-centered and to cause problems in our life. And Satan will use all these things. Why? He wants to see if your faith is genuine. He wants to poke at you. Why? He wants the labor to be in vain. But may I encourage you with this? Whether he attacks you or not, you can still remain strong. And we see this through the gospel. The, uh, uh, the, the, um, we see this through a parable in Matthew 13. If you remember the parable of the sower, the seed fell on the, along the path. The birds ate it. They were the uninterested people. The birds represent Satan came and got that seed. The seed of the gospel was fallen on rocky soil. It was quickly burned with the sun. And then the people gave up when hard times came. And then it got thrown on the thorn bushes and it was choked because the people became concerned about things and worries. But when the soil, when the seed fell on good ground, it produced great gain. And it shows us that these are the people who allowed the gospel to work in their life. And I want to leave you with this. If you will decide to produce that good ground in your heart, God will help you produce fruit. You have to decide. Well, it's tough. It's difficult. The tempter is going to come. You can have victory over Satan. As I mentioned earlier, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if you'll decide to produce good ground in your heart, God will help you produce fruit. So we see the, the commissioned Timothy helps strengthen the faith of these dear people. We see the concerned teacher helps strengthen the faith of these dear people. We see the, the, the constant tempter even helps strengthen the faith. Because when the trials came, their strength became even stronger and stronger. Because they had to rely on God more. And then number four, I want us to notice the comforted tidings help strengthen their faith. See, Paul knew a strong faith stirs the hearts of others. We see it stirs the comfort and encouragement. Look at verse number six. The Bible says, but now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity. Good tidings. This was more evangelism that the gospel had been sown and had been received and they were telling the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by the way, the good news is a term used years before and the people knew what good news meant back in those days when the Greeks or the Romans would, would, would conquer a city or maybe they would have a brand new king or maybe someone else in power. It was a good thing that was real. the people were looking for. It was good news. They would send these heralds that would ride their horses all over the land, and they would, they would shout, Good news! Good tidings! Good news! There's a new king in the land, and he's come to save us, and a big war has been won, maybe, and, and things are going to be okay now. Everything's going to be good. And the people, those laborers, those peasants, those common people, would hear the, new, the term good news and realize they get good tidings without having to do anything. You see, the people knew that religion was simply... Them wanting to follow good advice. If you do what we say, then you could maybe get to heaven. But when they heard the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it was nothing they could do. It was the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. They just simply must invite Jesus Christ in their life 
they was good news to them. And I'll tell you this, when I was a 10-year-old boy, when I realized what Jesus Christ did for me, he died on the cross, he paid for my sin debt, and he wanted to give me a way out of hell. I thought that is the greatest news I've ever heard in my life. And I want Jesus in my heart. So we see these people had received the good news. By the way, if you do not know Christ, it is the greatest thing in all the world. The best decision you'll ever make is to give your life to Christ. Just say, God, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Come into my heart and save me. I believe and trust in you. And he wants to save you. See, Galatians 5, verse 6, Good soil produced faith and charity, for in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. The Jews constantly were trying to tie all these things to, to, and Paul says, no, no, faith and, and love is what comes from Jesus Christ. He says the word remembrance, desiring. This is a present tense. Distress and affliction is going to continue to come. But be comforted. Timothy's coming alongside to encourage you. He's going to encourage you just like I would. And may I say, there's going to be continued affliction in our life. And we don't just need a, just a, a, a Timothy one point or a teacher or a preacher one point. We need to be consistent. We need to be in church. We need to be faithful. It helps continue to encourage us. And it helps to strengthen us. And then we see it stirs a renewed life and purpose. Verse 7. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. There it is again, the word faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Paul is saying, for now we live. He says, life is worth living when you decide to be established in God's word and continue to be established. When people come alongside with you, shovel uh, shoulder to shoulder to establish you, you get grounded in God's word. Life is worth living. How many have experienced that in your life? The greatest life in all the world is the life of a committed Christian who's established and grounded. Money is nice. Things are nice, but they're just temporary but a continued walk with God, a victorious Christian life, it's the, most, it's the greatest thing in all the world. By the way, if you don't think that's true, go to a funeral someday of someone who was not saved and then go to a funeral the next day of someone who was a committed Christian. I promise you, you'll notice a difference at those funerals. I've done many of both. I'll never forget the day I did a funeral uh, for a young girl whose, uh, I attended a funeral for a young girl whose father had, had choked on his own alcohol and had died. And that little girl went there, and, and I went there uh, just to be a blessing for that little girl and to help her and be a comfort to her. She attended our, on our van to our church. And I'll never forget the cold, dark, just disturbing funeral almost that was. And she just kind of just sat there and tears in her eyes. And I thought, man, what a miserable, miserable life. And then a few weeks later, I performed the funeral of uh, a lady who had served the Lord most of her life. And what rejoicing. I'm simply saying that there's true joy. There's true light, renewed life and purpose when you are standing fast in God. It stirs joy, verse number 9. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before God. It stirs joy when you're strong in your faith. You have a joy that nothing can take. And then we see it stirs prayer in verse number 10. The Bible says, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face. Now, Paul isn't constantly praying nonstop. It's a continual conversation with God. 
It's like my wife and I. We've been married for 10 years in June. I know, we're just young. We're just starting, right? But our relationship has been like a continual conversation. You know, I don't, I don't go to her in the morning and say, Alicia, I'm Justin, and I hope, I hope you had a good night, sleep. And uh, quite honestly, um, I know it's been a, since yesterday we talked, but let me fill you in. No, no, it's a continued conversation. And that's how this prayer was. Night and day, Paul was consistently, continually thinking about this dear church and praying for them. A strong faith stirs prayer. By the way, Timothy gave them, gave them a report that, hey, these people wanted to see you just as much as you wanted to see them, Paul. And it encouraged him. It strengthened his faith. The Bible ends, the passage ends in verse 10 saying, might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Paul says you're doing good, but you're not yet complete. You still need guidance and helpful direction. What is that phrase? Is there anything lacking in your faith mean? Well, I think Jesus helps us with this. In Luke 17, verse 1, the Bible says, Then he said unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. Or better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast in the sea. And he goes several times and what bad things could happen. And then he talks about in verse number 3, If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times, seven. I mean, a lot of times, still forgive him. And what does the Bible say in verse 5? And the apostles said unto the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. There's no way we can do that alone. And God's like, you're exactly right, you can't. But through me, you can. And Paul is writing to these dear people and saying, hey, you're not there yet. Every day the world is going to throw things at you. People are going to be humans and do bad things. But just keep growing in your faith. Not a little faith. Your faith will really go, grow when God's with you. So maybe you're asking this morning, how do I grow my faith? Well, I do believe a Timothy can really help you. I believe a preacher or a teacher can really help you. Even when Satan comes at you and you run to God, that will help you. Comforted tidings will really help you. But may I encourage you, there's one thing that will never take the place of a daily walk with God. At the end of the day, you have to spend time with God. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. My dad would often say, Son, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. I'm sure he didn't come up with that quote, but he'd say it. And that's no different than you and I. We can know what we need to do, but at the end of the day, we have to drink the word of God, if you will. We have to hear. We have to process the word of God. We have to do God's word in James 1.22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Even when we're tested, we still have to keep on going. James 1.2-4. through 4, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. But let patience have her perfect work that ye might be perfect and entire wanting nothing. Bible says in verse 4, and if trust, uh, uh, but let patience, oh, I just read that. There we go. You have it. Okay. All right, here we go. Let's get back on track. Years ago, Mendelssohn visited the, the cathedral, cathedral at Freiburg. 
Having heard the great organ, he went to the organ loft and asked to be allowed to play it. Mendelssohn was uh, one of the best piano organ players of his day. And so he went up to the old organist and he says, hey, can I play it? And the old organist was a very selfish man and he didn't want anybody to touch his organ. So he said, no. Messel, Messel Mendelssohn thought, man, I would really love to do that. After some talking, the old organist said, okay. And he allowed the great German composer to try the Colossal Thunderer. That was the organ that it was called the organ was the Thunderer of the cathedral. The old organist kind of walked to by and he was kind of a little upset. But then Mendelhausen started playing. And it was the most amazing sound he had ever heard in his life. He enjoyed it immensely. And he goes up to Mendelhausen, the old organist, and he laid hands on the shoulders of the musician. And he exclaimed, Who are you? What is your name? Mendelhausen, replied the player. And it can be, the organist said, that I had so nearly refused to let the great Mendelhausen touch this organ. You see, Christians often refuse to let God have his way in their life because they are afraid of the outcome. And just like this old organist, we as Christians need to understand that when we let God do as he sees fit, the outcome is so much greater than we can ever dream of. Just like Mendelhausen. He just wanted to just try out that old organ. Do you know Jesus Christ wants to use you and me? And we can be selfish, can we not? And I can be one of the most selfish ones. No, God, this is my life. I'll never forget as a 16-year-old boy, God started knocking on my heart. And I said, God, no, I do not want to be in the ministry. I do not want to pastor. I stutter. And when I get in front of crowds, I just totally freeze up and melt. And I wish I could just dig a hole and jump in it. <laughs> and he kept pestering me and coming at me and coming at me. And I say, God, I don't want to do it because I know what I have is so much better. And God says, no, you don't. I'll never forget the day. When I, like that old organist, says, all right, God, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. And I say, God, here I am. And God just started working. I'll still say, I, I struggle sometimes with my stuttering. <laughs> and it's hard sometimes to speak. But I will say this. God knows what's best for you and me. And may I encourage you to strengthen your faith and not quit on God. And decide. You know what, God? If I have to get around to Timothy, I will. If I have to humble myself and say, hey, I need help. I need a disciple. Then I'll do it. If I have to get around the concern of a preacher who says, hey, don't do that. Don't do that. I, I, I don't think that's a good idea. I'll say, you know what? I've been being moved by afflictions and I'm just going to keep on staying strong. And when that constant tempter comes our way, we can say, you know what, God? You're greater than him. I'm going to keep running to you. And then when we hear the comforting tidings, we'll know that God still is at work. Isn't it wonderful when we hear praises and praise reports? God's still working. 
we can, like the old organist, say, you know what, God? I'm sure glad I let you take over my life and you did what was best. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Maybe there was someone here today that feels like they need to be firmly established. They're struggling. Maybe you would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, that's me. Will you pray for me that I will be firmly established, that I'll let someone maybe come alongside of me and and whatever that word is you said, disciple, whatever that means, I want to get grounded in my faith. Will you pray for me? If that's you, we slip every hand. Oh, all over. I see those hands. How many would say, you know, uh, I, I feel like I'm being waved all over by the tribulations of this world and the afflictions, and I need God's help to, to just trust on him. How many, is that you? Would I, can I pray for you? God bless you all over. I see the hands. Maybe there's someone here today that would say, you know what, Pastor Justin, I can be a Timothy for someone. God, 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 has, God has blessed me. God has firmly planted me. And I can be a Timothy. If God will use me, I want to be a Timothy. Will you pray for me? If that's you, will you slip up your hand? God bless you all over. Lord, you know these dear people's hearts. Maybe there's someone this morning that would say, when you talked about that good news, that herald, man, I need some good news. I came today to this church. I don't even know why I'm here. Or I've been coming these last couple of weeks. I don't know why I'm here. But today I realized I came because I want Jesus in my life. I want a relationship with him. Will you pray for me if that shoe will you slip up your hand? Anybody this morning? Anybody? I'm looking around. Anybody says, I would love for you to pray for me to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Church isn't good enough. Even though church is a great thing. Even reading the Bible is not enough. Even giving money to help the poor is enough. You must have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So once again, I ask, is there anybody that would say, I need Jesus in my life? If that's you, will you slip up your hand this morning? Anybody? God bless you. I see that hand. If you want to say something like this in your heart, you can pray in your seat. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sin. I realize the penalty of my sin is death and hell, and I don't want to go there. Thank you for paying my debt on the cross. Lord, I trust in you and you alone as my Savior. Please come to my heart and save me. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, would there be anyone that prayed that prayer this morning? Raise your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you. Lord, you saw the hands. You know the hearts. Lord, I know that it's hard sometimes. It's hard work to be a Timothy. It's hard work to be a concerned teacher or preacher. Lord, it's hard work to fight off the constant tempter. It just gets plain exhausting. We just want to give in sometimes. But may we stay strong. And Lord, when the comforting tidings come, may we rejoice. And Lord, may we, like Mendenholson and this old organist, may we give in to you and allow you to control our life, no matter what the outcome is. Whether we're a Daniel, Lord, whether we're a Peter and John, whether we're a Zachariah who stands up, whatever the case may be, we're going to be strong in our faith and we're going to let others know about it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could stand to your feet, we're going to have what's called an old-fashioned altar invitation. Our pastors are down here. They'd be happy to pray with you if God's touched your heart. Maybe you need to make a decision. Maybe you need to come forward. It's been a while maybe and you just need to talk to the Lord. 
You can do it in your pew, but there's something about coming down to an altar. Maybe God's worked on your heart. Maybe you'd like to go the next step of baptism. Baptism is simply an outward showing of my inward decision of salvation. Maybe there's someone that needs to join the church. God's been working on your heart and you're saved and you're baptized and you just want to become a part of Grandview. We'd love to take care of that this morning. Let me encourage you to do what God has for you during this time. Do not waste an opportunity to spend some time with God and solidify that decision in your heart as he is working this morning. bless you if you could be seated one last time and we'll get you on your way we have a quick video we want to share with you we have many exciting things going on in the month of may we want to make sure you know all about it and how you can be a part Good morning and welcome to our service. We hope this morning's sermon from Pastor Layman was a blessing to you. Join us back here tonight at 5 as we hear from Derek Thomas, missionary to Ukraine, who will be presenting his ministry and preaching the evening service. Our Mother's Day service at Grandview is next Sunday, May 8th. Every adult lady who is present will receive a special gift, and on this Sunday we will also be holding a baby dedication. If you would like to commit your child to the Lord in this service, please sign up at the welcome desk in the foyer. One of the things we are committed about here at Grandview is to help lead you on a journey of a strong relationship with Christ. We believe a great way to facilitate this is our starting point class for all people new to our church or for those who want to serve the Lord in a bigger way. We'll meet on Sunday, May 15th, after the morning service for about two hours. We'll enjoy a meal together. During this special time, you will learn how to strengthen your relationship with the Lord, get connected to other people, and find an area to serve. We want you to thrive here at our church, and we believe the Grandview Starting Point will go a long way toward helping guide you down that path. Hi there! Well, it's Ladies' Conference time again, May 20 and 21st. We're excited about that as always. And this year's theme is Be a Happy Camper. And we're going to have a great time. And, of course, on Friday night, we're going to have our drama put on by our Grandview actors. And we're excited about that. So we want to invite all of you to come. Make plans now. We have uh, two speakers coming in from out of town, Kathy Bailey and Amber Bushy. And they're going to be a great blessing to us. And then some of our own ladies, you know, we have the coffee bar, uh, fellowship, fun, door prizes. It is going to be a blast, and we don't want you to miss it. So make your plans now. Get your child care all figured out. No excuses, because we want to see you there on May the 20th and 21st. It's Friday from about noon until uh, 4, 3.34. Then we have a break until 7. That gives you an opportunity to go out and have dinner with friends. Then we come back for the play and dessert. Then on Saturday, we start at 10 and go to about 12.30. So it's here at our church. So it's going to be a great time. Can't wait to see you. 
Grandview Men's Summer Softball is back this summer and sign-ups are underway starting today. This is a tremendous opportunity to build relationships with other men in the church as well as an opportunity for outreach. The cost will be $40 and it will include a team jersey, hat, and several weeks of games. Stop by the welcome desk in the lobby to find more information and sign up today. The Amazing Race Teen Activity for 6th through 12th graders will be this Friday, May 6th at Grandview. The activity will start in the Abundant Life Room at 6 p.m. We will be divided into teams, and each team will be racing each other to complete the list of challenges. The cost of this activity is $5, and pizza will be provided. The activity will end at 8 p.m. For questions or more information, please see TJ Gar. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you, and you will receive a gift. Have a great afternoon, and we'll see you tonight at 5. Okay, thank you again for coming, guests. We're so glad you're here, and I hope you'll visit our guest services over there. Come back tonight. I believe our mission is going to be a huge blessing, and it'll be very interesting. hope you can be here. You are dismissed. (laughs) 